Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Today I'm doing a special edition of Future Primitive. This is actually a, um, a service. This is something that uh, I really want to do because it's, uh, it's important information for us, for our health, for our future. I'm here with Michael Blanchin, and um, we are going to talk about the cell situation, the tower situation in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I live. So uh, the short and the long of it is on November 9th, 2016, the city council voted unanimously to amend Chapter 27 of the Santa Fe City Code. The revised ordinance allows the city to issue franchises to telecommunication companies to place antennas and towers in the public right-of-way. Now, this is not new, but it's a very big change in how it will happen. So I'm going to ask you, Michael, since this is uh, a cause that's very important to your heart, to speak to us about it. Okay. Th- thank you for having me and for giving us this time today. Um, my name is Michael Blanchin. Uh, I was the head of an organization called Doctors Warn Wireless and Radiation Network. I was one of the founders. We're a group of professionals in Santa Fe, health professionals, who understand that continuous EMR exposure does pose certain health hazards and risks. Uh, there are people that have lesser symptoms, um, headaches, irritability, sleep disorders, things like this. But then there are people who have EHS, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. We do know that this affects about 3 to 5% of the population currently. We, we get all kinds of testimony from, these, testimony from these people, and the testimony is pretty consistent. Um, on this issue... Our group, Doctors Warren, formed a coalition with other people who were interested in the issue, other members in our community, and that coalition is called the Santa Fe Alliance for Public Health and Safety. And our group, leading up to the city council meeting, we garnered as much support as we could. We asked for people to attend. A number of us attended the city council meeting. We did present information during the public hearing period. The city council, they really didn't feel they had much leeway to regulate antenna placement or the telecoms in general. They really feel that their hands have been tied and that cities really have to give telecoms whatever they want. Our argument was that previously, years ago, 2010 or 11, there used to be a site-by-site approval process. So if an antenna was going to go up, there would be notice beforehand, there would be a public hearing period, and if someone in in a home, homeowner, or someone in the community had issues, they could at least maybe request that the antenna be 
placed in a slightly safer location or a less conspicuous location. Mm -hmm. With this arrangement, a franchise license requires that a telecom provide a site plan, but that then there's very little oversight after that site plan. For example, in 2000, it was either 10 or 11, a company applied for an application just in the greater downtown area, which is really only about one square mile, one mile by one mile. Just in that area, uh, the plan outlined 87 antennas. So what we're talking about is next generation technology. We all have cell service now, and there are very few places in town where you don't get a signal. This is about fifth generation service. With fifth generation service, it's, they're using distributed antenna systems because the signal doesn't travel as far. It's a very high-frequency signal, and they're hoping that signal will be able to carry very high bandwidth. So they think users of iPads and iPhones and wireless devices, they'll want that signal. But they'll have to place an antenna about every one to two blocks because the signal doesn't travel far. So this means setting up mesh networks, essentially blanketing cities with 5G signal and not really allowing a, a way to avoid the signal for those that really don't want to use these technologies. We won't have safe zones. So, uh, yeah, it is sort of guerrilla attitude from the telecom companies is happening everywhere. And, for instance, in Europe, uh, there's a lot of limitations that have been passed as to where and how uh, these these antennas, these signals, can be um, can be uh, put by the, the companies. Um, I also want to say that we are using this technology to bring you this information. Uh, not precisely, perhaps that one, but I uh, I really love that we can communicate in this way. But um, we're talking here about community and inclusivity, including everyone, if possible, and every different variation of what this situation can bring about. So I wanted to say there's also a financial reason why the City Council of Santa Fe has accepted this. Yes, there is. So that would be interesting to know. Sure. Uh, the city used to uh, collect a lease fee for property that a tower or an antenna would be placed on. The telecoms started to see if they could use the public rights of way, use existing structures, use existing utility poles, mount their equipment to existing utility poles. Um, and so that posed a different issue for the city. They had to figure out how to char charge. And so they've gone with a lease fee arrangement, or not, excuse me, not a lease fee, a franchise fee arrangement. And that is a 2% fee on gross charges by that telecommunications retailer. So even if you're using CenturyLink service, and even if you don't have a cell phone, let's say you have just a landline phone, the way we've read the ordinance, it appears that the city now gets 2% of all gross charges collected by CenturyLink for the municipality of Santa Fe. So the city gets a piece of the pie. And a lot of cities, they need revenue these days. And so in exchange for that revenue, they're willing to you know, relax almost any oversight or regulations of, of these antennas. Now, in the city's defense, and to what you said before, this is a national issue because... 
we're seeing the rollout of this technology. It's already in some cities, like San Francisco has already started to see the building of this infrastructure. They're actually one of the models for how a city could pose, impose some kind of regulations based on aesthetic appearances. You know, a lot of these antennas and this infrastructure, some of it's not very attractive. So San Francisco is a model, but this is happening nationally. They really want to roll out this technology. And the Federal Telecommunications Act of 1996 prohibits denial of these technologies on the basis of any environmental or health considerations. Period. End of story. So what happens is cities that, let's say a city is concerned about the public health, they can't even consider that. The city council has repeatedly told us they can't even come into the argument. Um, If you have environmental concerns, for example, uh, bird migratory patterns or beehives being affected, that's still environmental. And and we do know that beehives are affected by these types of frequencies. Uh, Again, city council can't rule on that. So... The industry, they were ahead of the game as a result of what happened in the 80s with high-voltage power lines. And if you remember, there were people that had houses that were under high-voltage power lines and people started to contract cancers. It was a huge mess and a lot of liability for the industry. So the deal they made with the government in 96 is we want to roll out this infrastructure to keep America ahead of the game, but essentially give us immunity. Make sure that we can't be stopped or sued for any kind of health considerations. So they gamed the system a full 20 years ago. Now, in Europe, as you said, Europe still uses what they call the precautionary principle. And that's that rather than let's just put this out in the public and then if there's harm, we'll find out afterwards. Rather than that approach, which is the American approach, the Europeans say, let's take a precautionary approach. Let's make sure these things are safe. Let's test them adequately. Let's test them on children and those who are most affected by these technologies. And then if we know they're safe, then we'll let it out a little bit at a time. So in America, we're not using any precautionary principle whatsoever. And recently, a very interesting development, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they put out recommended guidelines about limiting exposure for children and infants. And the reason is, if a child is using a device or a cell phone or something like this, because their tissue of their head is, you know, their heads are smaller, and then also because the bones aren't as developed, their heads are a little softer, and so you get double the penetration into the brain. If you look at an adult brain and how deep the signals penetrate into the brain in a child's, it'll penetrate the entire skull of a child. And the research coming out now about how children are being affected, there's a lot of it, and it's very alarming. Yeah, it's um, it's alarming, and I have great faith in human adaptation. But let's try to minimize uh, this adaptation process. So, what what is the recourse here? What can we do? What can people do? Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to the recourse. If you don't mind, the, the thing you said about adaptation, um, I don't know that the evolutionary process can act as quickly as we really need. Because what we're seeing, like, for example, tobacco, it took 20 years, 30 years, for a person who smoked cigarettes to get lung cancer, which was why it was difficult to prove the connection and why it took 50 years before you finally had your first successful tobacco lawsuit. The example we have of the San Diego State 
cancer cluster. There was uh, an in- installation very close to a particular building at San Diego State in in a period of less than 10 years of exposure time, you had 10 deaths, all of them people in that building, all of cancer. And so what we're seeing is something that doesn't act upon everybody, what well, acts upon everybody, but not everybody's affected, but we have less time. And so in only a period of 10 or 20 years, people are going to be dramatically affected. Some may adapt, but we're, we're seeing a lot that aren't able to adapt. And so what we're going to have is unfortunately, almost a culling of the herd, which is not exactly good for humanity. It's not, it's, it's not exactly how you look out for the public welfare, is that you allow the weakest to be affected. And that's really what we're seeing. Um, for example, I read uh, hundreds of pages of affidavits and testimony provided by California individuals affected by the smart meter installation in California. Heartbreaking stories. People's health were destroyed. Now, again, it was only... of the population. But again, we're talking about a new technology coming in and it's affecting them severely inside of almost immediately and they're exhibiting extreme symptoms in only one or two years. So I I too hope for the adaptive process, but uh, I think it takes a little longer. I think it may take 10 or 20 years to adapt and these things work faster than that. So back to your issue of... You know, I spend uh, seven hours a day on the computer every single day. So I really, um, I'm really not on that side of the population. I don't know about whether it's having symptoms on me, but I'm not really on the side of the population who wants to stop this. Uh, So I just want to be Mm. honest about it. I do understand that some people are really affected by it. And uh, I totally agree with the aesthetic question Mm. of destroying the beauty of Santa Fe. Mm. So that's my position. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Of course. I mean, both me and my partner spend six or seven hours a day using this technology. I, I use computers as well. I use email accounts. I use websites. Uh, but when I have the option of a wired connection, a hardline connection, I use it. If I have a landline phone, I will always use a landline phone instead of using somebody else's cell phone or something like that. Um, what, the issue is really the wireless technologies and such dependency upon them, the constant exposure. I mean, people leaving their wireless routers on when they sleep. You could shut it off at night. It would, it would help. You know, we, we do know that melatonin production is decreased. And melatonin is what allows you to go to that very deep, restful sleep. Is where, and that's where repair and regeneration happen in the body. What we're seeing is that an individual may be fine for a while, but they're not sleeping as deeply and as well. They may even sleep eight hours, but, but they wake up in the morning and they're not as refreshed as they would be if they had slept, for example, out in a tent or out on the land or close to the land or something like that. Instead, they're still being bombarded. They don't have as much melatonin. And because they're not getting that proper repair when they sleep, it wears them down a little bit at a time. And that's what we're seeing. It's wearing people down just a little. People's nervous systems are a little more agitated. People have slightly shorter fuse sometimes in terms of being able to deal with situations. Uh, Of course, I, I have 
30-year-olds that are telling me they're getting forgetful or that they sometimes they have issues with mental clarity. Uh, again, we used to think that was something that happened to 70 and 80-year-olds, but we're seeing it with younger people now. More so, time. Yeah. So, so I'm not anti-technology either. It's more just about conscious use of these things and, and being somewhat deliberate and saying, okay, that thing that popped into my head just now, do I need to look it up right this moment or can I wait till I get home? and then sit down on my desktop or my laptop and use a hardline connection, can I look it up then? And Because a, a lot of our uses of these technology are spur of the moment, and it's just because something popped into our head and we're curious and we want to be able to look it up. And these devices allow us to do that. So it's really just about being conscious of how we're using these things. Um, on, on what we're doing with the city, we can't make any of the health arguments with the city. Now, that's our concern as uh, no one else is acting in the public welfare or on behalf of the public welfare. And because no one else is doing it, we feel we need to. Um, but our arguments with the city are that we feel that the ordinance itself is a tax. They call it a fee, but they require that the telecom provider pass it on to the end user. Uh, so because of the language of the ordinance, we feel it's a tax. Uh, the second thing, it creates a two-tier zoning system. Our zoning in Santa Fe is what makes Santa Fe really beautiful. We have historic districts, and, and you have to keep Santa Fe looking historic. You can't even change a fence. Even a pole, I changed right. poles on a fence one time, and because the wire was a slightly different color that held the poles together, right. they, they saw that I had done it, and they made me fill out paperwork. So we have our zoning in Santa Fe, our historic Santa Fe. These... These antenna installations will be outside of the zoning parameters, where they've essentially created a two-tier system of zoning, one for private residences and private property, one for public rights-of-way. Wow. And the law doesn't really allow them to do that. The zoning ordinance doesn't allow them to do that, but they've done it with this ordinance. So we feel it's a violation of their own laws. And the third issue is, and this is a very interesting issue, their 2% fee is assessed to telecommunications retailers, meaning those who deal with the end user. The companies that are applying to install this infrastructure, they're not retailers. They are a wholesaler. They build the infrastructure, and then they lease it to the retailers. So the companies that will come in and build out this entire infrastructure all throughout Santa Fe, they won't get charged a penny. We're turning over our public rights of way to them. They won't get charged anything. And to give you an idea how it will change, you will have some unsightly boxes mounted to utility poles about every block. These can be large boxes, uh, maybe 14 inches deep, 14 inches wide, uh, 16 inches high, something like that, and, and a few of them. They're not very attractive. And then you'll have tall mast towers. And we'll have the only one we know of at this point is a 120-foot tower in the middle of town, uh, that 120-foot tower, again, 120 feet. If you assume wow. 10 feet per floor, that's the, the equivalent of a 12-story building. Mm -hmm. And there's probably going to be more than one in town. And, and, and there are communities all over. If you look online... And we're not allowed to build buildings of more than three stories in Santa Fe. Right. And so, and so this, even though Santa Fe City Council has taken actions in the past regarding how Santa Fe is supposed to look, how a historic district is supposed to look, I think the city years ago made an ordinance, or maybe there was an agreement of some kind, it might not have been an ordinance, but they said no buildings over two or three stories, and then here we're going to have a 12-story structure in the middle of town, maybe more than one of them, they may have a few. And this is what's happening across America. You know, if you look up this particular company that's building out this infrastructure, it's called Mobility. Uh, it's 
ends with an IE, not a Y, M-O-B-I-L-I-T-I-E. If you look up that company and you do a simple Google search, um, Connecticut and a number of other states, their cities were informed that this type of infrastructure was going to go up and the cities had very little recourse. So the issue for us is, do does the public, can they in some way regulate how their own towns look and what technologies they want to have in their own towns? That's big. And that's really why we're on this issue, because we're, we're concerned about where all this is going. We understand that people like the technology, but we'd like to slow it down and make sure we have some regulation of antenna placement, um, making sure that these antennas aren't showing up very close to someone's home and they're being affected. There's no recourse with the existing ordinance. And, and um, who are the people in your activist group? Two-thirds of our activist group are health professionals, uh, MDs, osteopaths, chiropractors, naturopaths, people that have looked at studies, looked at science. They know there are issues. Now, again, we know that's not the argument we make with the city. But again, to say that we can't even think about public welfare, well, again, since, since when can American society not protect its own, not protect its children? I mean, if, if, if we're not allowed to do it and the city's not allowed to do it, does that really mean there's, there's no way to protect our own children if we know they're being affected? And we, and we do know they're being affected. There's some very interesting studies coming out. So our group is some, some individuals who are simply concerned citizens, some individuals who are interested in property rights and homeowners having recourse. They don't like the idea they don't have recourse. Some individuals are interested in the historic appearance of Santa Fe. Um, they really like the appearance of Santa Fe um, and want to keep it as it is. Um, it's, a, it's a collection of individuals from the community. More than 500 new towers and antenna sites. 87 antenna sites just in downtown. That's a lot of um, change in the urban in. Uh, in the urban vista. Yes, it is. Again, tower technology now, I believe, I don't exactly know, but if you had a cell tower and you wanted to use your cell phone, I think the tower could be half a mile or a mile away. You're probably going to get a good signal, possibly farther than that. Again, these technologies, they want to provide extremely high-speed service to the next generation of wireless devices, fifth-generation devices, fifth-generation technology. And um, the signal only travels about a block, block and a half. I mean, you might have to have an antenna every eight houses. But how is that different from the fact that uh, you see um, housing developments and there's a, a satellite antenna on every single um, on every single apartment balcony? Do you know anything about that? <laughs> you know, with individuals having devices, for example, now um, where I am, I've got, th I, if I turn on my computer, I see five different networks because each of the neighbors has their own wireless router. People will still have their wireless routers because the wireless router gives them an added level of security. These networks would be a, a basically a data network for your phone when you're outside. But when you're in your home, it'd probably be better for you to use your own wireless network. It's just that in addition to 
existing cell phone signals. And in addition to wireless networks we already have in our homes. And, and it, television. In addition to, yeah, a television, because you get direct TV and you're getting a signal mm-hmm. there. Right. Well, again, some of it is the nature of the signal as well. Like some of the people that I know that are sensitive, electromagnetically sensitive, those television signals, they are in the air everywhere. It's not like the wherever wherever that signal, like a direct TV signal, wherever it's coming from, and then that rooftop antenna or dish catches that signal. It's not just point to point. I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that that signal is sent out far and wide and anybody that has the dish can get get it. But that means that radiation is in the air already. That is not the type of thing that affects a lot of the electromagnetically sensitive people. They're not really like AM radio. They're not thrown off by AM radio or FM radio or some of those types of signals. It's when you have something broadcasting extremely close to your home, to your bedroom. And so that's where wireless routers can aggravate these people. A cell phone in proximity, 20 feet from this individual, can affect them. Um, And then, of course, you know, having these types of antenna installations every block, it's going to be impossible for people to escape. And then, of course, there's the frequency. This is going to be a high-frequency signal, and it's lots of information coming through. And some people, some scientists have argued that it's not just the frequency itself, but even the amount of information carried on the signal is something that our system is still responding to unconsciously. We, don't, we might not know we are, but our cell, our bodies are electric. One of the best books on the subject was a book by a, an MD named Robert Becker. He wrote a book called The Body Electric. And we are electromagnetic beings. The way most cellular communication and things happen, yes, there are bio, biochemicals and things like that and neurotransmitters. There are a lot of those things, but there are a lot of these things that they are um, inherently an electrical process. Uh, the heart functions on electricity and electrically, electrical signaling. Uh, the brain, it's all about electrical signaling. And that's why most of the things that we're seeing, some of the really good science, they're seeing brain function being affected. They're seeing neurological issues develop. Uh, one of the great reports, it was called the Bioinitiative Report. It was uh, published in 2012. The author was Cindy Sage, along with 30 other scientists about 11 MDs, about 20 PhDs. They looked over 1,800 different studies in the previous five years, so approximately 2006 or seven up through, say, 2011. Report came out in 2012. The conclusions were overwhelming. They, they know with certainty that there are effects to these exposures. And, and the federal government, when they approved these technologies, they did one very simple test. They took a human mannequin something the equivalent of a mannequin, fluid-filled, 200 pounds. They put a cell phone next to its head, and they determined how much the temperature rose in the vicinity of the head, in that, in that watery type of solution. That was the only thing they tested for, was for tissue heating. Well, we're not concerned about the thermal effects near as much as we're concerned with the non-thermal effects, the nature of waveforms and electricity on electrical signaling within the body. Just, just the science on what we call voltage-gated uh, calcium ion channels, which is what makes up a cell membrane. Just that mechanism there is significantly affected by these, the non-thermal side of these technologies, and as a result, you get leaky membranes and you start to have issues develop over time. And again, some of us are fortunate. I'm fortunate too. I don't, I'm not affected by these things. You're not. I use a computer. I'm okay. But the people that are affected, I would say they're the canaries in the coal mine, and we should be listening to them rather than marginalizing them.
Okay, so uh, what is your organization uh, up to? What are you doing? What have you organized in order to counter this um, this assault on the city? The issue, at some point, the issue needs to become a national issue. Now, we're not making it a national issue. You would need incredible resources and attorneys and a lot of patience because it would take years. Because at some, at some point, they need to overturn this law that doesn't allow us to protect the public health. Yes, um, but absolutely. At, but right now, for us... Uh, our issue is specifically this ordinance because we're not even able to regulate the, the antenna placement. There are no setback requirements. Um, we're just we're concerned about turning over the city to the telecommunications providers. The company that applied, they essentially wanted a 50-year irrevocable lease. Hmm. Now, if you think about where technology was 10 years ago, and could we predict where it is now? And if you think about the pace things are going at faster and faster, can we even predict where technology is going to be five or ten years from now? Like a phone call. Instead of using Skype, a phone call may just mean you talk into your device, say, I want to call Susan. And you may see Susan on your phone. It may be a video call. All calls may be video calls. We don't know. It's already like that. Almost. It's already, FaceTime is already like that. Yeah. And so who knows? Maybe instead of having to use a special app, maybe all phone calls will be like that because that's just what we expect. <laughs> so we don't know where things are going to go in five years or 10 years. So to turn over your public rights of way to telecommunications providers and essentially tell them they can put whatever they want up and you're going to have no oversight for a period of that many years, it seems like a bit of insanity. So the city, in the city's defense, their ordinance, they didn't agree to that request. They're giving a 10-year arrangement, a 10-year license, but they didn't exact, they weren't specific regarding renewal terms. So um, our organization, what we're doing, we're keeping it local. For us, uh, we're challenging the ordinance. We're asking for those in the community who are concerned about any of these issues, about corporations essentially getting cities to act in their interest rather than the interest of the public. That's really what's happening here. The city council didn't deal with the you know, citizens. The city council dealt with the corporation mm-hmm. that won the contract, and they worked together, and that was how they came to their agreement. Right. So if you're concerned about issues like that, if you're concerned about aesthetic appearance of Santa Fe, if you're uh, concerned about the public health, if you're concerned about how these technologies are even effect- affecting us, um, you know, brain function and children right. and, and proper brain development and things like that. We're asking that people join us. Okay. Um, I'm one of the contact people. My name is Michael Blanchin. My telephone number is 505-983-8706. And I can be reached by email. It's Michael Blanchin, B-L-A-N-S-H-A-N at gmail.com. Um, one of the other um, members of our coalition uh, is Arthur Furstenberg. Uh, he can be reached at 505-471-0129. Um, Arthur and I, and uh, kind of an informal steering committee of about 10 individuals, we're drawing in support and engaging in outreach, reaching out to other groups in Santa Fe that are concerned about the issue. We are engaged in fundraising. We do need to pay for an attorney because the attorney needs to represent the coalition. 
uh, we have the attorney, uh, and we have another attorney who's willing to advise him, who has more experience with these kinds of cases. Uh, but we do need to raise some funds, so we're accepting pledges at this time. We're not taking donations. We're just asking for pledges for donations. We need to make sure that we can reach our goal so that we can follow this through to its end. We're really keeping it at in the state courts. Um, we don't have a desire to make it a federal issue, nor do we have the funds at this time. There are other groups that, that are pressing the federal issue, but this is really a, a, a request. What we've filed is a complaint requesting declaratory judgment, and that is a judge to look at the law and see if the ordinance needs to be amended so that we have a little more oversight and so that we have something to say about antenna placement. Okay, so, um, and uh, by when do you need, uh, I mean, if first of all, is there any other means of support than you need than, uh, than the financial pledges, and also by when, I mean, when do you need to prepare this so that the, um, so that the city council would look at it? We have we filed on December 9th. We'll have to give our attorney a decision probably by early February. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of other ways people can support. Um, we would appreciate people that have ideas, suggestions, input. They can either contact me directly or we welcome them to the coalition. We welcome new members to the coalition. We welcome people to the steering committee. If people have good ideas, we want this to be a group effort. Um, we'd like to reach out to other individuals in town who aren't aware of this issue. Nine out of ten people whom I speak with this about, they didn't even know that the city voted on anything, and they certainly didn't understand the implications. So we're asking that, again, I have a, a three-page overview that I email to people. Um, if you'd like to know more about the issue, um, send me an email or give me a phone call. Do you have a website? Don't have a website, yes, but okay. yet, but that's actually one of the things we could use some assistance with. If okay. there's someone, um, I've I've got web service for our other sites, um, and so, the, so you have a server. I have the server and all that, but to actually register a new domain name and then have someone do a very simple site with some information, we could we could use some assistance. So if someone has some tech skills, they'd be willing to volunteer a little bit. We could use something like that. Um, if you're just willing to contact me, get the three-page overview, and email it out to 10 people you know, we're more concerned about reaching out to the community and letting people have a say. Because at this point, I think we've only reached um, 1% to 2% of our community. Our, our mailing lists are maybe 1,000 people. Uh, and we really, the newspapers don't give us good coverage on this issue. Uh, we are doing some radio spots. People like yourself are giving us the opportunity to do a podcast. Uh, but we just like people to help us spread the word in Santa Fe and, and also nationally, wherever you are hearing this. Yeah. This is the direction things are going. We're, see, we're seeing it all over. We're seeing it in major cities. Uh, I personally know people that have had to move out of large cities because at some point they started to develop sensitivities. There is a cumulative effect, and they keep on increasing these. With, with the next generation of technology, with smart meters for electrical meters, they're creating these grid networks where we're being bombarded with far more radiation. Than, I mean, again, this is relatively an experiment. Humanity's never been exposed to this much radiation until this last 20 years. So we're talking about tens of thousands of years of evolution, and we're expecting and hoping that people can somehow evolve all in a period here of less than 10 or 20 years. Yeah. 
And it's, it's happening just on a very rapid scale in evolution. I hope it can happen that quickly, but uh, I know some people aren't going to be able to adapt. Well, I, I suppose I haven't read the statistics that there are more kinds of cancers than there's ever been. But there are also 7 billion 400 people on this planet, which is a whole other subject. It is. Yeah. It is. The, an interesting thing, if you look at, and again, I'm a naturopath and a re- health researcher, I attend conferences and things. I've seen, uh, if you imagine the line graph where you show a year progression and there's kind of a horizontal line and then as things start to increase, it starts to curve upward and eventually you see exponential growth and you see almost a vertical curve. We're seeing that with autism, with cancers of all types, with brain cancer. Uh, We're seeing it with dementia. They're expecting record numbers, almost uh, the level of dementia by 2030 that will probably bankrupt the nation. We're seeing it with diabetes. We're seeing it with neurological diseases. We're seeing it with obesity. We have all these different conditions and all of the curves. It's the same curve. They're all going exponential. We're going in the direction of not having healthy people or a healthy public. Now, we certainly can't attribute all those increases just to electromagnetic radiation. We're not trying to. But there is some cause. Grocery store. Just go to the grocery store. (laughs) There must be some cause. The regular grocery store. Yeah. I mean, a lot can be attributed to what has been sold in the grocery stores. Food food and healthy diet is very important, or a lack of a healthy diet. It's even food, but... I mean, that that what people contract diabetes and other things like that from is, I wouldn't call it food. Uh, I I would agree. I would agree. So again, we're not trying to say that all of those things are due to electromagnetic radiation, but there must be some cause. And for example, dementia. Can we trace record numbers of dementia or Alzheimer's or neurological diseases? Can we trace it all? just to diet, especially when we know so much in our environment, when we know about the pollution, when we know about things in the air. And so any time we've tried to look for a cause, you know, the public's hands have been tied in some way, and the industry propaganda has been very good. I mean, if you even remember Oprah years ago, Oprah just tried to make a statement about meat. Meat. And and she was she attacked. Got sued to the ends of the world. And yeah. and she had big deep pockets. And so, yeah. but but still, I think she had to retract her statement possibly. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, now you know, I don't think anyone changed their course. But you can't hardly point out any causes. And again, someone needs to act in the interest of the public health. So. Again, um, this is just one issue where we've seen enough of the science that we know that if it, e- if it even affects 10% of the people in an adverse way, well, that's reason enough for us to use some. Well, that would be a lot. That'd be enough reason for us to take a precautionary approach. So uh, thank you very much, Michael. Is there anything you would like to add? I, I'd be happy if anyone has questions, would like to know more, would like to see research. I've got a resource list, for example. Uh, The best books, the best websites, the best videos that gives good explanations. You can see who the experts are in the field here. Uh, These are good and uh, people of high integrity, 
most of the best ones are, are PhDs that have that have poured over the research. So I'm happy to provide more information. Again, just contact me if you, there's a way that you'd like to volunteer, participate, help us with the tech side of things and a website, make pledges, uh, whatever it may be. And if you just want more information, I'd be happy to provide information. Again, uh, my name is Michael Blanchin and my telephone number 505-983-8706. And my email address is Michael Blanchan. And again, that's B-L-A-N-S-H-A-N at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. Sure. I, I really appreciate this. Uh, and uh, I just want to say, you do need to raise $10,000 to uh, get this lawyer to confront the city. Yes, at, at a minimum. Uh, it, may, it, may, it may end up running as fifteen or 20000 but at a, at a minimum, $10,000. We've had some very generous donors already, uh, pledges of $1,000, $1,500. Um, it's we're just again we're just accepting pledges at this point so we can see if we can meet our goal. Um, we're hoping that maybe there's a nonprofit or a foundation that's interested in this issue, that's interested in the appearance of Santa Fe, that takes on activist cases, that's concerned about the public health. Any of these, we're hoping to develop some alliances with those types of groups because this really has to be a, a community effort for us to make the change we want to make here. And again, this these distributed antenna systems. Until the federal law changes, I doubt we'll be able to stop them entirely, but we can slow their rollout and we can at least protect individual homeowners and have some say in antenna placement so that we can minimize harm. Thank you very, very much, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs>